If you want to label me a bigot, you're not going to be the first, you won't be the last. And you know what, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But at least have the intellectual ability to listen true to what I say and then consider. Because I'm not looking to demean or disrespect anybody, but I know that every one of us will one day stand before a holy God. And I don't know why somebody in eternity pointing their finger at me, saying, Pastor John, why did you not address the way that I live? Why did you not tell me that what I was doing would damn my soul to hell? There will be a last day where we will stand before God and we will give an account for our lives. I will give an account for the fact that I stood on a stage in front of the people of God. And I pray that I will have been faithful to have declared A to Z, the whole council, not just the parts that are culturally acceptable. Lord, we just pray today for your word. Lord, we come before you humbly, Lord, recognizing our need. Jesus, you are the bread of life. Help us today to partake. Help us today to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers thereof. In Jesus' name, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're uh, doing part two of a series called Fearless. And I want to start by reading uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 in the Message uh, Bible. And um, it said the Philistines drew up their troops for battle. They deployed them at Succoth and Judah and set up camp between Succoth and Azekah. And uh, it says the Philistines were on one hill, the Israelites on the opposite hill with the valley between them. A giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet in his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. Goliath stood there and called out to the Israelite troops, why bother using your whole army? Am I not a Philistine uh, enough for you? And you're all committed to Saul, aren't you? So pick your best fighter and pit him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. But if I get the upper hand and kill him, you all become our slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel this day. Give me a man. Let us fight it out together. When Saul and all his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. And that's the way many believers are today, right now. They've lost all hope because they've been listening to Goliath. They've been listening to the enemy and all of his threats and all of his predictions and all of the things he's saying that are going to happen. You know, we read last week in Luke about men's hearts failing them from fear of those things that are coming upon the earth. And uh, this is why this series is important, I believe, because God wants to set us free from fear. He wants us to be fearless. So here it says they were terrified, lost all hope. Enter David. He was the son of Jesse. Um, his father sent him to the war um, with some food for his brothers. And um, just for the sake of time, it says David was up at the crack of dawn and having arranged for someone to tend his flock, took the food and went on his way as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the army was moving into battle formation, shouting the battle cry. 
And this is the problem. For 40 days, they had been shouting the battle cry and doing nothing. That pretty much describes a large proportion of the church. We want to shout. We want to dance, but we want, don't want to do anything. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to give. We don't want to witness. Somebody else will do it. Nobody wants to take a stand. I believe in this day, God wants us to, as the church to grow a backbone. And so, anyway, they were shouting uh, the war cry. Uh, a war cry they had no intention of following through on. Israel and the Philistines moved into position um, facing each other, uh, battle ready. Uh, I, I don't know because it's the message. It doesn't have verses on it. David left. You know, this is just to give a little bit of a painting, a background. Just, just listen and take it in. David left his bundles of food in the care of a sentry, ran to the troops who were deployed, and greeted his brothers. While they were talking together, the Philistine champion, Goliath of Gath, uh, stepped out from the front lines of the Philistines and gave his usual challenge. David heard him. The Israelites, to a man, fell back the moment they saw the giant, totally frightened. The talk among the troops was, have you seen anything like this? This man openly and defiantly challenges Israel. The man who kills the giant will have it made. The king will give him a huge reward, offer his daughter as a bride, and give his entire family a free ride. David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, What is in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is anyway, this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God alive? They told him what everyone was saying about the king would do for the man who killed the Philistine. Eliab, his older brother, heard David um, fraternizing with the men and lost his temper. What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business tending that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You've come down to see the sights, hoping for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. What is it with you, replied David. All I did was asking, ask a question, ignoring his brother. And again, if you want to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to know who to ignore. You're going to have to know what voices to tune out. You're going to have to know what influences to stay away from. And um, David, it says, turned away from him. And uh, anyway, it, it says... Uh, he asked the same question and got the same answers before. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul. Saul sent for him. Master said, David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been fighting. He's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is tormenting or taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go, and God help you. <laughs> then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword in him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he couldn't hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move with this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Thank you, Jesus. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack. And with his sling in his hand, approached Goliath. 
As the Philistine paced back and forth, his shield bearer in front of him, he noticed David. He took one look down on him and sneered, a mere youngster, apple-cheeked and peach-fuzzed. The Philistine ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine. I'll make roadkill of you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. David answered, you come at me with a sword and spear and battle axe. I come at you in the name of God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops whom you curse and mock. This very day God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you. Cut off your head and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistines' bodies to the crows and the coyotes. The whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel. And there's still an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. This roused the Philistine. He started towards David. David took off from the front line, running towards the Philistine. David reached into his pocket for a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. The Philistine crashed face down in the dirt. That's how David beat the Philistine, with a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him. No sword for David. Then David ran up to the Philistine and stood over him, pulled the giant's sword from its sheath, and finished the job by cutting off his head. When the Philistines saw their great champion was dead, they scattered, running for their lives. The men of Israel and Judah were on their feet, shouting. They chased the Philistines all the way to the outskirts of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Wounded Philistines were strewn along the Sharim road all the way to Gath and Ekron. After chasing the Philistines, the Israelites came back and looted their camp. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem, but the giant's weapon he placed in his own tent. When Saul saw David go to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, tell me about this young man's family. He said, for the life of me, king, I don't know. The king said, well, find out the lineage of this raw youth. As soon as David came back from killing the Philistine, Abner brought him. The Philistine's head still in his hand, straight to Saul. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, let this message go forth in the power of your spirit. Amen. You know, 1 Samuel here uh, recounts, uh, you know, the triumph of David over Goliath. Um, you know, I'm reminded of the saying, fear knocked on the door, faith answered it, and there was no one there. Amen. And so in the same way, we must face our fears with faith. And this is exactly what David did. He dared to step forward and fight um, while everybody else was transfixed with fear. Because in, in life, you can watch or you can win. And I don't know about you, I'm not going to be a helpless spectator and just watch, watch life, you know, happen. You know, I, I don't want to watch. I want to win. And so, again, like it or not, we will all face giants in life at various times. And the worst thing that we can do is stand and listen to their threats, amen, to their accusations, to their predictions. Because you know what? God is not the only one speaking over you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil to give you hope in the future. So God, you know, makes it very clear that he has a plan, that you figure in his plans. He cares about you. He has a pathway for you to walk. Amen. He knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows what he's put on the inside of you. And he has great plans for you. But they are not the only plans. Satan has a plan to destroy you. 
Amen. And he's not playing games. And so, again, the enemy of your soul seeks to destroy you. And this is why either you take down your giant or your giant will take your, you down. Amen. Death, addiction, anxiety, depression, dysfunction, these all seek to demean you and to destroy you. Amen. And this is why it's so important for us to hear what God is saying to us, you know, in this chapter. Because whether it's symptoms in your body, amen, or, you know, problems in your home, or issues in your marriage, or, you know, in your job, these are all giants that seek to overcome you. They are giant, giants to seek to, to uh, like I said, to destroy you in Jesus' name. And this is why it's so important that you do not allow the voice of your giant, uh, that you do not meditate on what they're speaking. Because again, if you do, uh, you know, those words will, they will depress you and they will ultimately destroy you. Amen. And that's why, you know, David did such a key thing. It says he ignored his brother. It's, uh, you know, another version says he turned from him. And so it's so important for us to learn, like I said, to know which voices to tune out. Amen. Because the devil is a destroyer, but through Christ, we overcome. Now, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know we have the victory through Jesus Christ? Come on. How many of you know we have the victory through Jesus Christ? I don't know what you're facing today, but you are going to overcome. Because the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. And this is why we must rise up by faith, amen, even in the face of our fears, and stand toe to toe with our giant and cut its head off in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God doesn't want you to have partial victory. Amen. There is no place for neutrality in this war. Amen. Success or slavery. Okay. Success or slavery. Freedom or failure. The choice is yours. There is no middle ground. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And there's three things that we see in this verse. And it's so important. Firstly, it shows us that fear is a spirit. It's not just a feeling, an emotion, or even a family trait. Some of you may take the attitude, well, that's just the way my family is. Well, that's not the way your family is meant to be. Fear is a spirit, amen? And so it's so important to recognize that it is a demon from hell, and it will dominate and destroy you if you allow it. That's why you can't give place to fear. Secondly, we see that fear doesn't come from God. Because the Bible says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So it's not from God. Fear. Just say it today. Fear is not from God. Okay? And if he hasn't given it to you, then you must recognize it comes from the devil. Okay, it's not natural for us and therefore to, to be afraid, amen, but this is what we must understand. We have received the Spirit of God. We have received the Spirit of God and He, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, we've received the Spirit of God who gives us power, uh, love, and a sound mind. And in light of this, we must choose faith, not fear. That's what this whole series is going to be about over and over again, about emphasizing the importance of choosing faith, not fear, in Jesus' name. And the third thing we see is that fear, is, if fear isn't from God, the Bible here, this verse, infers that we must not give place to it in our lives. 
Don't give place to fear. Neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4, 27. Not in our thoughts, not in our words, not in our actions. And yes, when you consider how many of us talk, oh, I was scared to death. Oh, I'm dying to see it. Well, you might be dying sooner than you think. Um, oh, I, I would just die if that happened. Or my head is killing you. No, your mouth is killing you. Okay, we have to guard the words that we're speaking. Amen. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give place to fear. Now, I appreciate in times like, you know, this, uh, that can be a challenge. You know, and, and while it's natural, like I said, to be concerned about the future, you know, particularly with the ongoing war in, in Ukraine and the atrocities we're seeing in our generation, um, you know, along with the pandemic and, you know, the, 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 the consequences of the, the lockdown, uh, you know, in terms of shortages, inflation, and uh, along with the nutcases who, who still want restrictions and who still want to go back into that strange world we lived in for two years. I don't know about you. I don't want to go back. And I'm not going back in Jesus' name. And I declare our nations are not going back there. Amen. If you want to live in that world, then so be it. But I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I, you know, we're not natural people. Like I said, it may be natural to feel fear, but we're not natural. We are supernatural people. We are children of the Most High God. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven is our home. Jesus is our Lord. We are citizens of heaven. Therefore, we are not natural. We are supernatural in Jesus' name. Amen? So 1 Peter 2 verse 9 it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, God has called us out in Jesus' name. We are called to be separated. That's why we're not meant to be like everybody else. Amen. We are, we are called in Jesus' name out of darkness into his wonderful light. Psalm 140. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Remove me from violent men um, who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Keep me, O God, from the hand of the wicked. You see, God will keep us. Preserve me from violent men who have purposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me. And uh, it says, uh, the proud have hidden a snare for me. And uh, words, they have spread a net uh, by the wayside. They have set traps for me. I said to the Lord, you're my God. Hear the voice of my supplication, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. And let me say, the day of battle comes to us all. The day of battle came to Saul. The day of battle came to David. And the day of battle will come to you. But the Bible says that God will cover your head in the day of battle. A thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand are on my right hand. It will not come near me. How many of you believe that in Jesus' name? How many of you believe you dwell in the secret place of the Most High? Thank you, Jesus. God has covered our head in the day of battle. We are kept by God's power, 1 Peter 1, 5. Who are kept by the power of God, true faith, unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, we are kept by the power of God. You know, just a few weeks ago, we were, we were rear-ended and it, it, you know, I... I I was at the doctor, they were asking, did you ever have a crash before? And I was just reminded back in, in 05, I was, uh, you know, doing my job, I was driving down the country and um, 
I hit some diesel and, the, and I, I, I remember that moment when the car lost control and I remember that feeling when the four wheels left the ground. And in that moment, I knew that my life was, was hanging between, uh, you know, heaven and earth, between time and eternity. It, it was such a surreal feeling to, to, to know that, it, you know, in that moment you could possibly die because I was probably doing about, you know, uh, 100 kilometers an hour on a little back road and to feel the four wheels leave the, leave the ground. And I remember that moment, I just I saw a picture of my little blondie boy, you and his He's 17 now, big boy, but he was only a little baby with fluffy, blondy hair. My wife was pregnant with my beautiful brown-eyed girl, Naomi. Where is she? She's hiding somewhere. Uh, she's over this side. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, can't see her. Come on, give me a wave, sweetie. Up in the top. She's up in the top somewhere. Where is she? Naomi, I love you. I'm your daddy. Oh, oh it's the lady with the red face. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry, sweetie. I couldn't help it. But to think, to think, uh, come on, <laughs> hey, it's not easy being a PK, amen, being a pastor's kid, okay, but uh, to think I would have never seen her, 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 her uh, you know, her brown eyes and her fat little cheeks, I, I kissed them and kissed them and kissed them, I, I saw Miss having little babies in the house, but um, uh, but I remember that moment the car, it left the ground. I, I, I knew, and I remember I just had one prayer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And as the car just rolled and rolled and rolled, probably rolled the car three or four times, it was completely written off. I remember I walked out, there wasn't a scratch on me. We're kept, we're kept by God's power. You see, the devil can plot. The devil can plot. He can have his strategies. He can have his assignments. He can, you know, he can send those weapons. But the Bible says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You know why? We are kept by the power of God. So you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but bring it on. Glory to Jesus. Bring it on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring it on. Glory to God. Because I'm a child of God and so are you. Amen. We are kept by God's power in Jesus name we're kept by God's power but that doesn't mean I'm so sorry Naomi that doesn't mean we won't ever feel fear but it does mean that we don't have to allow fear to ruin our lives or yield to its influence Psalm 91 and verse 5 you will not be afraid of the terror by night that word in the Hebrew is pakad it means a sudden alarm, the object feared. By implication, the feeling. You see, fear is a feeling. And this is why you have to learn to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith, not by feelings. Feelings come, feelings go. Sometimes people leave their spouse. I don't feel the love anymore. Whoever said love is a feeling, it is a choice. You choose to love when it's hard and when it's easy. It means the feeling, a sudden alarm, the object feared. It means dread, dreadful, fear, great terror. You see, you don't have to fear the night terrors. Some of you are sitting here today and, you know, night after night, you, you have night terrors. You, you, you have nightmares or you wake up screaming in the night, you know, panicked and disorientated. You know, for some of you, you're so burdened, you, you don't even get to sleep. Amen. You like lie awake for hours at night, anxious. No more in Jesus' name. No more. No more fear in Jesus' name. You're going to sleep like a baby. 
Last week we dealt with the first of a number of principles which I believe will help us to develop fearless faith. And the first of them was preparation. This is absolutely essential if we want to win. Because while David's battle was over in minutes, he had been in preparation for years. Amen? You see, it isn't enough to pray for an opportunity. The question is, are you ready for opportunity when it presents itself? You know, it was Mike Murdoch who said, an uncommon future will require an uncommon preparation. And this is why we don't just pray for it, we prepare for it. Because this is what faith is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Pastor Jack Hiles, there is always a prepared place for a prepared person. Don't complain that God isn't opening doors for you when you're not ready to walk through them. Okay? Amen? David was ready. He had taken down the bear. He had taken down the lion. And this was just a new level, new devil. Amen? So are you ready for the rest of your life? This is why we encourage you, if you haven't been through Bible school Get in there. We have it on Zoom. It's free. It'll cost you nothing, but it will bless your life because it's part of you preparing, amen, to, to, to serve God. 2 Timothy 2.12, it says, uh, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Are you prepared for every good work, as the Bible says? You know, are you prepared to pay the price? Because there's a cost to the call. Because destiny doesn't come cheap. Okay, so are you ready? Because if you want your destiny, it will take time. It'll take time to go through Bible school, like I said, but it's once a week and it will bless your life. And if you have any inquiries, go to the Get Connected desk. But again, are you ready? Or more importantly, are you ready to be made ready? Okay, so firstly, uh, like I said, preparation. Secondly, conviction. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. A city hidden in a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, so, you know, in order to be salt and light, we will need to look up, reach out, speak up, and at times respectfully push back. I don't know if you've seen, you know, the Lord of the Rings. There's one scene where they're going through this really deep valley. And there's a picture of two, two men, they look like crusaders, um, you, know, ch you know, chiseled out of stone through this valley that the river is going through. And it's so interesting, they have their swords and they have their hand out like this. You see, there is a place to push back against that which is evil. That is why World War II happened. That is why the Allies, you know, stormed the beaches of Normandy. Because you have to push back against that which is evil. And it is very naive for us to assume that, you know, uh, evil is just simply relegated to the past. And that there is no, you know, evil people today or no evil ideologies today. No, we need courage. The same way as our, our grandfathers needed courage. That our forefathers needed courage. And in order to have courage, you have to have conviction. Because, again, fearless faith is convicted. Let me say this. God spoke this to me so strongly. God doesn't have opinions, suggestions, or preferences. He has commandments. He didn't give the ten suggestions. He gave the ten commandments, which you obey or disobey. 
And again, we may obey or disobey, but we do not get to reject, redefine, um, or edit what God has said. The Bible says what it says, whether you like it or not, whether it's politically correct or culturally palatable or not, truth is eternal. And so, again, you are presented with a simple choice in regard to what God says. Life or death. Choose life or choose death. Acts 17.30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Deuteronomy 30.19, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your children might live. Because our choices not only affect us, but our children and our children's children. And therefore, we must choose the path of conviction, not convenience. Martin Luther, unless I'm convicted by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Those words, 500 years later, still resonate within my soul. This was a man of conviction. And he was willing to stand against much of the power of Europe at that time. Because as we see with Martin Luther, one man or one woman who is convicted can make a difference. And this is why we have to push back against woke companies like Disney who have sold out to the woke agenda. They have made no secret of their desire to indoctrinate your kids. You know, videos recently surfaced online, you know, that revealed their online, you know, that revealed their agenda to push so-called LGBT values as they call them. That's an oxymoron if ever you uh, saw one. But, you know, even the new Buzz Lightyear um, movie has a gay kiss scene in it. And your young kids, if they're allowed to watch these movies over and over, as young kids do, let's, let's be honest, kids can watch a movie over and over and over again. Um, uh, what is happening is you will have a process of uh, desensitization and indoctrination of, of these young children at a very young age. And again, that may offend you, but you know what? As a pastor, I feel obligated not just to my children, but to my children's children and to all those little babies that are brought up here on a weekly basis to be dedicated to the Lord. So feel free. There's a principle, a biblical principle we need to bear in mind. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way in which he shall go. When they're old, they will not turn from it. This works in the positive or the negative you know, the governor of Florida passed a, a, a bill that would simply stop, you know, teachers uh, from talking to little children about sex. Little seven, eight-year-old children about sex. I mean, we used to call that grooming. Now they call it being woke and progressive. It's evil. You know, and the interesting thing was Disney, this huge corp global corporation... You know, that isn't even based in the state of Florida. They're based in California. They've openly said they're going to work towards overturning that bill. No Christian parent should expose their children to organizations that seek to promote values or ideas that are inconsistent with Christianity. 
and, 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 you know, at least, can, we, can I ask you to do something? At least hear me true with what I have to say. If you want to label me a bigot, you're not going to be the first. You won't be the last. And you know what? I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But at least have the intellectual ability to listen true to what I say and then consider. You know, even their theme park have banned phrases like ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Because as we now, as we now know, you know, there's no such thing as a man or a woman. We're all the same somehow. And if me addressing issues like this in church offends you, I'm not sure you understand the Bible or the values that it presents or that it reveals. Because, you know, let me say this. At times people have got offended at me. I've lost count of the amount of times people have got up and walked out in the middle of a service or given negative online reviews. You know, it's generally very sim similar in what they say. They may dismiss what I'm saying is being political, but in truth, it is moral and ultimately biblical, okay? You can try and dismiss it as political. It is not. It is biblical. It is moral, and it is eternal truth. But some Christians have been so insulated from biblical truth as a consequence of bad preaching, bad preaching whereby pastors are so focused on building big churches that they will avoid any subject that might offend people. And that is not being a faithful steward of the truth of God. The book of Timothy says, preach the word. What people do about it is up to them. But preach the word. The Paul said, I've not neglected to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Martin Luther, my conscience is held captive by the word of God. He's yours. Because right now I see a whole lot of ministers silent on things they need to be speaking on. It's cowardly. But people get offended at me. They get irate. But let me say, don't shoot the messenger. It is God, not you or I, who defines what is right or wrong. And one day, it is God that you and I will give an account to. The Bible says in the book of John, he will judge us by his word. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. There will be a last day where we will stand before God. And we will give an account for our lives. I will give an account for the fact that I stood on a stage in front of the people of God. And I pray that I will have been faithful to have declared A to Z, yeah. the whole council. Yeah. Not just the parts that are culturally acceptable. Yeah. Because right now to live for Christ and to walk in the light of God's word has become so countercultural, it's shocking. Yeah. But so be it. The Bible says we're aliens. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. We're passing through. We're not called to fit in. Heaven is our home. It's easier to dismiss the messenger than to deal with the message. That's why all of these online reviews that, I, that I've gotten. I'm not obsessed with what people say about me, but there's quite a lot of negative things have been said. But like I said, too many times they're dismissing the messenger and ignoring the message. And yet sadly, some of the people who get mad at me because they feel I'm being unloving or intolerant don't understand that they're actually mad at God. 
Because I'm not looking to demean or disrespect anybody, but I know that every one of us will one day stand before a holy God. And I don't want somebody in eternity pointing their finger at me, saying, Pastor John, why did you not address the way that I lived? Why did you not tell me that what I was doing would damn my soul to hell? So forgive me if I'm not worried about being labeled. I don't take criticism personally, but I, 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 let me say this. I preach because I am convicted. I'm convicted that the Bible is eternal, infallible truth. And it doesn't need some, you know, woke idiot to try to suddenly, you know, redefine what God said to fit in with a sinful, godless culture. Dr. James Kennedy, tolerance is the last virtue of a depraved society. When you have an immoral society that has blatantly, proudly violated all of the commandments of God, there is one last virtue they insist upon, tolerance for their immorality. Let me tell you something, killing babies is immoral. You can bury it beneath any kind of euphemism. Like healthcare or a choice or whatever you want. It is evil, it is barbaric, and God will judge our generation for what we are doing to the unborn. I appreciate, let me just say this you may have a son that is, or a daughter that is trans. We love people, we love our children, we're there for them. But let me tell you something. If you have a child that is trans, that does not change biology, and it certainly does not change theology. Sin is sin, and I would be lying to tell you otherwise. This is a doctrine of devils that says you can somehow change your sex. Your DNA is unchangeable. 1 Timothy 4.1 says the Spirit says clearly that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teaching comes through hypocritical liars whose conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. To be honest, there are people in authority, and I would include some preachers in this, who are knowingly lying about this because they know in their hearts that you are either male or female. Amen. But the God of this world rewards those who serve him. And it may come to the point where the Bible is banned as hate speech. You know, it was banned in Europe at, at one time. It may be banned again. I don't know. But it is an insult to a loving creator to say that this creator would make you and then put you in the wrong body and subject you to a lifetime of confusion and torment. Our God is a God of love. He does not make mistakes. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, God is not an author of confusion. It's ironic to see some, of the, some people who were formerly celebrated and successful literally canceled because of their belief in women's rights to their own space. I'm mindful of one person. I was reading an article about this person who, who now, who was, you know, not, not too long ago was highly successful, highly successful, celebrated, and now can't even get work because of their views that are now viewed as, as toxic, that they believe a man cannot become a woman, a woman cannot become a man. I'm reminded of Luke 4, 6. And the devil said to him, 
All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. You see, the devil didn't finish his sentence. He's a deceiver. He said, I give it to whomever I wish. He didn't finish by saying, and I take it whenever I want. And that's all he simply does. He uses people for a season as it is convenient. And once he has finished, he just dismisses them along with the rest. And that's why you're seeing a lot of feminists, etc., who believe that men and women are different are now being thrown under the bus. Because there is an agenda and there is an evil mastermind behind much of these various agendas that are at play. And it is the devil, Satan. And that's why you got to pick your side. I don't speak like this because it is advantageous. It's probably dangerous. But you know what? Kids are being destroyed because of these lies. Little children who have little, you know, body parts removed, etc., subject to, uh, 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 along with everything else, through these drugs are castrated. Will never be able to have children of their own. You know, uh, it's evil, it's demonic, and it's a lie from hell. And the church needs to speak up on this because the very first page of this Bible says God made them male, He made them female. There's only two genders like it or love it. That's the fact. And so, anyway, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached for a hundred years, but not one person responded to his message, but he didn't quit. You know why? He was convicted. Amen? Maybe the world isn't converted because we are not convicted. Do we really believe that this ends in heaven and hell? Heaven or hell? You know, to listen to some, the way some ministers preach or the way some believers live, you have to question, are they really convicted? Because when you are convicted, you become fearless. Because like I said, all courage is rooted in conviction. You know, you may not agree with globalists or communists or feminists or LGB activists or Islamists or atheists or those who are pushing, you know, critical race theory or all these other ideas, but you cannot question the fact. You have to admit these people are convicted. 2 Timothy 1.12, it says, For I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day, the NIV, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convicted that he is able. I am convicted. Are you convicted? The new living. I am sure. So, again, read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Every person should read that every few years. It's a record of all of the various Christian martyrs through the ages. Many different times, cultures, personalities. But one thing these men and women had in common, they were deeply convicted individuals. It was Plato who said, courage is knowing what not to fear. Because the fears you refuse to face end up becoming your limits. Whether it's battles you refuse to fight, or giants you refuse to face, or issues you refuse to deal with. These things may return to haunt you. Because your iniquity may end up writing your epitaph. Think about that. And I'm thinking of that Japanese proverb. You know, the reputation of a thousand years can be defined by one, destroyed by one day. Because the giants you run from may end up chasing your children. This is why I preach this way. You know... Listen, this is why I preach this way. I'm, not pre I'm preaching to build the church. I'm not preaching to build a church. I'm preaching to build the church. 
have no doubt there's people that are going to stand in eternity and they're going to hear, you heard Pastor John preach, but you walked out and you rejected the truth. I'm not the arbiter of truth. I'm not presenting myself as some kind of savior. I'm saying this is the truth. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the truth? This is why we must be fearless. The next generation depends on us making a way for them. Fearless or fearful. Going out with a shout or going out with a sigh. The choice is yours. Because everything that you desire is on the other side of fear. This is why David said, yea, though I walk true. He understood that along the way to your destiny, you have to go through some dark places. Amen? On the way to your destiny. Yea, though I walk true. You don't get a testimony without a test. You don't get to hold a giant's head unless you're first willing to face them on the field of battle. Because while people may watch you, they may praise you, they may celebrate you, ultimately you face your giant alone. But you know what? You don't face it alone because God is with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm convicted by the word of God. It is the eternal, infallible truth from God. Truth worth living for and if necessary, worth dying for. Do you? And if you do, then let's live this. Because turning up in church once or twice a month, walking in halfway through the service, throwing five euros in the offering and walking out, I'm sorry, that's not living it. Let's live this. Preparation, conviction. Give me 10 minutes, I'm finished. Confession. Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe those things which he saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. You see, your heart is listening to your mouth. And when you say things, even in jest, your entire being starts to act on what you said. Oh, I'm just getting so old. I'm just getting so, I'm just, every morning I'm sore. Every morning I'm tired. I'm just, oh, I just can't remember names. Oh, I just can't do this. I'm useless at maths. I'll never be free. These statements can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so does he become. Amen? Uh, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Or you could say, so does he become. And so, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. You know, the Bible, you know, declares that confession and believing are linked. Okay, and this is why you could say that you believe what you confess and you confess what you believe. And so dare to declare what God says about you, not what the enemy is whispering in your mind. You know, you need to declare, I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Learn to just say it out your mouth. You might not feel it, but you know what? If you'll say it, you'll start to believe it in Jesus' name. So again, take your eyes off the problem, fix them firmly on the promise, and don't talk yourself out of a miracle. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 that Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession. So give God something to work with. Declare the word of God out of your mouth, amen? And remember, the first words of faith spoken at the battle were spoken by a shepherd boy. When he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Because say you can or say you can't, you are right both ways. Amen. And so preparation, conviction, confession, innovation. 
The Bible says that David took off Saul's armor. He took it off. And like David, you have to dare to be different. It takes courage to ignore conventional wisdom, tradition, and try something new. You know, if David had kept Saul's armor on, he would have been a sitting duck. And he would have been just one in a long line of people that had been killed by Goliath. Amen. How many, how many others had approached Goliath with the same approach? Wear as much armor as humanly possible. And then they got there and realized they couldn't even move. Saul just threw his spear and it was over within seconds. But you know what? This is the kind of, this is the amazing thing. You know, Goliath had faced swords. He had faced spears, all kinds of weapons. But David brought a sling and he brought simply a stone. Joanna, could you give me my... Um, my briefcase there, in the top pocket, there's a little stone. I just want to, hallelujah. Yeah, the top pocket, there you go. Just feel around inside there, sweetie. As you, as you can see, I'm not David. I don't even have a sling. But this is, this is a real stone. I found it on a beach. It's beautiful and round. And it just reminds me of David's, because so many times I've faced some big things. I've faced so many problems. Times I've been awake at night, but I just remind myself of that little stone. All it took was a stone. Amen. I don't have a sling, but you know, hallelujah. Just watch this. Hey, Glamour, you're a tough man. You just stood there and said, come on, bring it on. I got a hard head. Amen. I like it. You Brazilians, you're just, everybody was like, you know. I will take it for the Lord, Pastor. <laughs> David took one stone and a sling, and it was over. But he won because he had courage to innovate, courage to be who he was and not try to fit in with everybody else. It's like the saying, be yourself, everyone else is taken. You know, David wasn't ashamed to take the, the step on the battlefield as a shepherd and not try to be a, pretend to be a soldier or one of the boys. You know, James, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4, you know, declares, before you were born, I knew you. And it says, uh, bef before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. You see, we are called to innovation, not imitation. Problem with the church, much, there's too much imitation. Yeah. We're all trying to imitate what, you know, the so-called successful church. That's why the church isn't successful. We need to innovate. We need to innovate. We need, uh, you know, to, to be unique. You know, we're here in Ireland, okay? I don't have to try and be like another church. Amen. We're here in Ireland. Glory to God. We're here in a boxing stadium. We're probably the only church in the whole world that meets in a boxing stadium. Okay, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being different. I'm okay with standing in the middle of a boxing ring and preaching a sermon, looking at all the blood on the ground. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. I was born for this. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. All it takes is one little stone. Somebody with courage to be who God's called them to be. David stepped on there without a sword, without a spear. He stepped on there with a stone. Glory to God. So thank you, Jesus. You are unique. You have a unique calling, anointing, and identity. Be an original. Don't die a copy. Yeah. Ephesians 2.10, as the worship group come forward. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. 
so that we can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece of God's grace. So don't insult him by trying to be somebody else. Like I said, be you. That's all you need to do. God's called us to fearlessly go where no one has gone and do what no one has done. You see, life is too short to play it safe. Dare to dream. You know, I was privileged yesterday to walk Naima up the aisle. The photographer was there and he told me afterwards, he was, he was there, he normally meets the minister, and he said, there was nobody there before the start. And he's looking around, where's the pastor? And uh, suddenly he hears the music playing, where's the pastor? And the pulpit is empty at the front. Suddenly there's this guy walking the girl up the aisle, and he's like, there's no pastor. He didn't realize I was the pastor, <laughs> you know. But he said, I've seen people, you know, walked up by their dad, by their mom and their dad, by their brothers, by, by their friends, people walking up alone. I've never seen a pastor walk somebody up the aisle. <laughs> but I remember just before we entered, uh, Naima was holding my arm. And I turned to her and I said, Naima, do you remember what we had in the wall in Smithfield? She looked so beautiful. Because she's a girl that's been through so many battles, so many trials. She's had a tough life. I turned to her and I said, Naima, remember what we had on the, on the wall? Dare to dream. And there she was, standing in her dream. So many Sundays I'd walk past her there. She'd be there typing. In the middle of the, the lockdown, when everybody else was afraid of going anywhere, she was there faithfully on a Sunday morning, typing out the hundreds of scriptures I had. <laughs> Steam coming off the laptop. And I'd walk past her, I'd say, Naima, God's going to give you a lovely Irish husband. She'd go, she used to just smile. But you know what God did? We serve a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. God knows you. He has plans for you. He cares about you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be anxious. He loves you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord.